welcome to Sterling Grace Coaching, where women train for victory, not victimhood. I'm Carrie Bishop, your host and women's coach for women who still believe Jesus is King, America is beautiful, and hope brings eternal when you step out in faith. Let's do this. So today we're talking about New Year's resolutions and how many people keep those resolutions. Is there a magic date where you can say, if I just make it to this magical point on the calendar, I'm pretty sure those resolutions are going to be set in stone and I'm going to achieve them. What are the common resolutions and what we can do to actually have a better shot at attaining what we're hoping to achieve through the year? 2020 has been such a challenge that I think resolutions this year have to be even bigger and better than they've ever been before. Before our resolutions were always kind of about ourselves, I'm going to look at some new ways to look at some resolutions today. So let's go through a couple of different things and talk about, first of all, what are the most common resolutions that people make? You know what they're going to be, right? I bet you can guess if you gave you 30 seconds to write some things down on some paper, you'd probably come up with what some of the resolutions are. Number one is usually health and fitness. So health and fitness goals are huge as far as New Year's resolutions go. Another one is about finances, trying to get finances under control, maybe saving for a certain thing or paying down debt, getting out of debt, getting your credit card spending under control. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified master financial coach. I totally understand that. Got me out of trouble years ago and it's been a lifesaver for me to really have a plan for my money. So if that's a goal of yours, that's a New Year's resolution, by all means, reach out to me. All right, what else? So health and fitness goals, finance goals, personal finance, financial freedom, something along those lines. We have decluttering. That's a big thing because I think lately we've gotten to be, as Americans, we have so much stuff. We, with the click of a button, we order stuff. We don't even have to go to the store anymore, which is a good thing because I guess now everybody's under lockdown, or at least in our blue states, we're under lockdown and we can just order everything. And I think that kind of consumerism has been a problem. Our homes tend to reflect our lives. And when we have so much stuff in our homes, it really reflects what's going on in our hearts and our souls and things. And after 2020, with spending so much time in the house, people are starting to say, let's declutter. Let's make this a simple, a more organized, a more welcoming space. So decluttering is one of the top goals for 2021. Then there's spiritual and family goals. And what amazing things to have spiritual and family goals, more time in prayer, more centering for oneself, more sitting in front of me, the blessed sacrament or in quiet Bible reading, doing some scripture study. There's something that's innately so important and so genuine and just calming about that. And then, of course, family time. We've come to treasure those moments with our family. We have some, you know, family that's extended family that we haven't been able to see for a while in 2020. Maybe we're sending more letters. Maybe that's going to be our goal is or our resolution is to reach out to people that we are not as close to that we want to be. Maybe we want to spend more time in the moment. As parents, we tend to be so busy and just running from here to there that we really kind of forget to be in the moment with our children or if you're married with your spouse or your significant other. Or maybe it's even an elderly parent. Sometimes our parents are shut in, especially now if they're at risk of COVID or at risk for some other illness. And we don't get to see them as much. And when we do, we kind of are brushing them aside too because there's so much on our plates now. And maybe this is the year where we say, you know what, I'm going to make family my main focus and put everything else on the side. When I'm with a family member, I'm going to be truly present with them. So those are all lofty goals and really important and necessary. And they're so good. They really do honor God and our creation and ourselves. And that's what we're trying to do. So it's not just enough to want financial freedom, to be free to take a big expensive vacation or to, you know, buy a bigger house or a bigger car or a bigger diamond ring or whatever it is. 
you really got to think about your finances and how all of this, how your health, how your finances, how your family, how your home, how your spiritual life, how it's all connected and what your main goal is. Remember as Christians, our main goal, our, our, what we're shooting for really is heaven. And what we're doing in the moment are the resolutions that are going to take us there. Now, one of the things that studies show is that by January 1st, now there are different studies, so I'll talk about a couple of different things, but one of the things studies show is that by January 31st, I think it's 36% of people have already given up completely on all of their New Year's resolutions. Another study showed by January 12th, the majority of people, that means majority more than 50%, have already given up on all of their resolutions. So what, by January 13th, we're mourning the death of our New Year's resolutions? Is that even possible? As Americans, we know we can do better. People have sacrificed so that we have the freedom to be better and to challenge ourselves and to rise to challenge. So I can't imagine that by January 13th, we're really putting our resolutions to rest. As women, we can do better. We're stronger than that. We're caretakers of entire families. We have to be able to be caretakers of our own lives too. And of course, you know that as Christians, we are given a God-given calling to do better, to rise to the occasion, and to make changes that will bring us to a more Christ-centered focus. (sighs) Okay, so what can we do to really come into how we're going to resolve to be better in our future? So a couple of different things I want to talk about are the differences between resolutions and goals. And people mix up the two of them. Now, a resolution is a lifestyle change. It's a feeling that you have. It's that at this time next year, I want my life to be like this. I want to have more peace in my life. I want to be better health and fitness wise. I want to be more centered. I don't want this financial stress over me. I want to be freer. So a resolution is something that makes you has gives you a feeling, not makes you something, but it gives you a feeling. It's a lifestyle change. You know that those lifestyle changes don't happen overnight. So you didn't get to the point where you are today overnight or even in a year or two years or probably even five or 10 years. It took a lifetime to get you to where you are today. Of course, there are some big moments that, you know, some little earthquakes that shake you up and knock you back a little bit. Maybe you got some big bonus or something positive happened that pushed you forward a little bit. But basically, life is a continuous series of steps forward and steps backwards, slow gains and slow losses. What we're talking about here is incremental changes. The lifestyle that you want is the resolution. The goals that will get you to that lifestyle, those are things that are measurable and actionable. I can actually look at that and say, yes, I achieved achieved this goal or no, I did not. But it's the resolution is the entire lifestyle change that you would like to achieve. The goals are what will get you there. Those are the things you can check off your list and say, yep, I got this goal. Nope, I didn't make that goal. What could I do differently to achieve, achieve, achieve that next time? And you pick yourself up and go again and again and again. Now, one of the things that people do with New Year's resolutions is that they tend to pile so much onto their plate that it's unmanageable. So I'm going to take an example that is totally out of the, you know, everybody knows that this is not going to work for us in real life, but it kind of gives you the idea. So let's say I want to lose 30 pounds and I say, I want to lose 30 pounds by February 1st. Not going to happen. That's so unrealistic and it's unhealthy. But we tend to do that in other areas thinking I'm going to clean up all the clutter in my house in the next two weeks probably not going to happen. But could you get to there by this time next year? You could. And that would be just as well. You make your, you would meet your resolution just as well by spreading it out and making small changes over time 
and getting to where you need to be rather than jumping all in and then setting yourself up for failure, setting yourself up for disappointment. So you want to make sure that you're taking those big resolutions, those big lifestyle changes. What is the feeling that you want to have at this time next year? And what are the littler goals that are going to take you there? Now, one of the things I've seen people do too is to choose a word for the year, something that's going to take you through the year. I think that's such a great idea. I love the idea of having a theme for the year. Now, one of the things that I picked as I've decided I'm going to start studying the virtues and the virtues are prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. Those are some of the virtues. We have to also have faith, hope, and love. And then we have the seven heavenly virtues, which are chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, humility, and kindness. And I think choosing a virtue as a theme for the year could be great. Now, personally, I chose prudence. Prudence is such an old-fashioned word, and I love those old-fashioned words and just kind of looking up. I had to look it up. Like, what exactly does fortitude mean? All right, it's courage. And what exactly does temperance mean? What what does prudence mean? Those are words that we've lost in our vocabulary. And I think with 2020 and all the stress and everything, kind of coming back and saying, let's look at some of this and how can we implement this in our lives? What was the meaning that was behind some of this? So prudence means, and I thought this was really interesting, prudence, I picked that because from Proverbs verse, or chapter 14, verse 15 tells us the prudent man looks where he is going. And I thought that was really interesting for a New Year's resolution. I want to look where I'm going. I'm done with 2020. I don't want to look back anymore. I want to look ahead to where I'm going. Where do I want to be in my family, in my home, in my health and fitness, in my finances, in my business dealings, and in my spiritual life? Where do I want to be? The prudent man looks where he is going. So I looked back a little bit to see where I've done, what I've done in the past, what mistakes I've made, what I can learn from that. But really, I'm focused full steam ahead. I'm going. I want to go and get to where I want to be next year. The other thing I thought was interesting was St. Thomas Aquinas says that prudence is right reason in action. And that's really going to be important to me. Okay, no emotional decisions. I'm going to kind of try and take the emotion out of some of my decision-making a little bit. And I'm going to think reasonably, and I'm going to weigh the options and weigh the costs and try and look at it from all different angles. It's really hard to paint a picture from inside the frame. So I'm going to step back this year, take a deep breath and try and look at things from all different angles. So that's my idea. My theme is going to be prudence, but I would pick a theme of any sort and kind of work from there. A theme for the year and a resolution for the year is a wonderful thing, but we know that these are hard to do. It's hard to maintain that for an entire year. So what I would suggest doing is to break it down into smaller groups. So maybe you divide it into monthly chunks or seasonal chunks. So you might say, you know what? My theme for the year is prudence, but in the next three months or the next season, I'm going to do these things. And in the next season, I'm going to build this up and I'm going to build this up. And you take it into smaller increments. And that's where you do your goal setting. So my theme is prudence, but my goal by the end of this time period, I'm going to be able to run a 5K or I'm going to be drinking eight glasses of water a day. Or I will have cleaned out just the paperwork from my from my cl- um, classroom. I was going to say I'm a teacher, so I can maybe that is one of my goals to clean out some of the paperwork from one filing cabinet. But I'm not going to overwhelm myself because remember, I'm remembering that this resolution is for an entire year. It doesn't have to be done. This is the marathon. It's not a sprint. So I want to make sure that I'm going continuously. This is a tortoise versus the hare thing. The tortoise ends up winning the race because he just keeps going. 
he doesn't quit. He might go slow down. He might be not going as fast as some other people, but that rabbit, that hare, he falls by the wayside because he spends all his energy and all his effort and everything at the beginning. He's a braggart. He's telling everybody everything. And then he kind of peters out quickly and the tortoise just keeps going. In this case, the tortoise is much sexier than that hare. <laughs> you wanna make sure that you're going at a nice, even pace and setting realistic goals for yourself. So you're working through this, moving forward in whatever the theme is that you're looking for. And I would make sure that you are looking at a couple of different things too. You wanna to have some, I've called them the five Ps in place. The first thing you wanna have is your purpose. Doing this for yourself is not enough. So let's say I want to do health and fitness. And my, my goal for this is prudence in health and fitness. Well, what does that mean? For me, it's going to be an ideal weight, okay? So what's the weight that I want to have? And I'll write that down on a piece of paper because my goals should be written down. So I'm going to write down the weight that I want to have. But more than that, I'm also going to write down what I might be lifting as far as weights go. So maybe I use barbells a lot. So maybe I'll be writing down the level of barbell weight that I want to, I want to use in my workouts. Maybe I'll be doing a run of some sort, a 5K or a half marathon or something. That's not, I don't know if that's realistic for me, but maybe for somebody it is. Maybe it's a full marathon. So I'm writing down those goals that I want to attain by a certain period. But I also want to make sure that those goals are not just for me. This is what I mean about 2020 showing us that we need to do better and are recalled to bigger. So this goal of health and fitness is not just so that I feel good in a bathing suit or look good in a bathing suit. Remember those virtues of chastity. I don't want to make this a lust thing. I don't want to make this a pride thing. I want to be chaste and humble. So looking good in a bathing suit is going to be about me and honoring the gift of my body that God gave to me. And that's important and something that we can forget about when we're looking at the goal of weight loss or of health and fitness or nutrition or exercise, we kind of put it all on us and how we look and how it's about us. And it's really got to be looking at our body as a tool to do what God gives us to do, to be able to attack the tasks that he lays at our feet and in front of us. Some of that is being confident and you're more confident if you feel better about yourself. So to honor God and to honor the tasks he gives you, you do want to be healthy and nutritious and physically fit. Let's see what else you can do. Finances, all right? For finances, the same thing. Lay out the why. Why do you want this? Why are you going to try and save up $1,000 in emergency fund right away? Why are you going to pay down your credit card debt? Why are you going to pay off student loan debt? Why are you doing all this? Why do you have a three to six month savings plan? What kind of feeling is that going to give you? What is that freedom going to give you? What is that going to tell other people who look at you, who look on the inside and say, that you are together enough to have this all in place. How is that going to make you look to the outside world? And we're not looking at the outside world as an envy thing or a, hey, look at me, how together I am thing, but as an example and someone who doesn't commit scandal. And you're showing the world, hey, this is the peace that comes when I spend my finances as God plans me to or God asks me to, when I'm a responsible steward of the things he's given me. And maybe that some of that goes also with donation and you're giving things away because it's so much fun to give to somebody who needs something. And that goes along with the decluttering too. You know, we don't need all the stuff that we tend to have. So purchasing less, giving more, that's an incredible feeling. So when I put that in with my purpose, when I add that to my why, it becomes less about me and more about living for a higher cause. And when you live for a higher cause, that's when those resolutions really start to kick in. 
So you need to have your purpose, write it down. What are all of the whys and keep that running list. And if you think of more things as the year goes on, by all means, add more things to that list. Second thing you need is a plan. How and when are you going to achieve each of these goals? Set up micro goals, even in your three month span or your seasonal span or whatever, have micro goals. What will you have done in 30 days? What will you have done this week? What are the three to five things that you're going to do today that will get you to where you want to be a year from now? So one of the things about doing this and achieving that plan is knowing things like quitting a habit is much harder than building a new one. Building a habit is much easier than quitting an old habit. So habits are things that we do repetitively. It's something that we don't even notice. So for example, with family time, I know that I can just reach into my back pocket and grab my cell phone and it becomes such a distraction. And that's something that I don't even realize I'm doing sometimes. That's how almost addicted I am to it. And I don't think I'm alone in that addiction. I know it's something that causes a distraction when I'm trying to be in the moment with my family. So maybe what I'm going to do is completely put my phone into another room. Maybe I'll put it downstairs where I don't go very often. Maybe I'll put my phone down there for the hours from, I don't know, when the kids come home from school from like 3.30 to 5.30 every day. And I'd say, you know what, these two hours, I'm going to be totally in the moment. And not only that, but that is putting my phone away. It's breaking the addiction because it makes it harder and it's out of mind, out of sight. And it's also something I'm going to replace that with something else. I'm going to build a new habit because nothing exists in a vacuum. So if I take away the cell phone, I need to put in something positive in that place. So maybe we'll whip out a game and I'll play a board game with the kids. Maybe we'll go out and play basketball in the, in the yard outside. Maybe we'll play cards. Maybe we'll draw a picture or paint or maybe we'll go on a hike. Whatever our family decides to do, that's something that I'm going to spend that time in that moment, being with my kids, building a new habit. So then they'll start to realize too, every day between 3.30 and 5.30 or whatever that time is, mom has no cell phone. We're going to put our devices away and really have quality family time. And you can build it from there. So having a plan to attack your goals is really important. I'm actually starting a life coaching program and some of it has to do with post-traumatic growth and people who have been through trauma and they're out on the other side. So it's not in the moment of trauma. It's just, you know, how do you get over that yuck feeling? How do you build friendships? How do you build relationships? How do you meet goals and push yourself to get to that next level? So if you're interested in that with the plan and the how and the whys and, you know, really going out and getting a little bit out of your comfort zone, but also having a safe space and being protected and just know that you're loved and that you're with people who have understood understood where you are or understand where you are. We all have different experiences, but having somebody who's been through that plan is really helpful. So you have your purpose in your New Year's resolutions. You have a plan for your New Year's resolution or you're getting it and you're writing it down. And of course, those plans need to be tweaked because you always have problems. So the third thing that I would say is that you plan for problems. So you have purpose, you have a plan, and then you know you're gonna meet a problem because anytime you have a plan, God laughs, right? You tell God your plans and he's going to laugh. Doesn't mean he's knocking you totally off kilter. It just means that, you know what? Your plan is not always going to be smooth. Your, your way is going to be rocky sometimes. It's going to be an uphill battle. Maybe you're going to be knocked completely off course or your boat's going to be rocked or you're going to be swept off the path or whatever. Okay, there's all sorts of analogies that come. And those many analogies come because everybody knows that those problems will arise no matter who you are or what your goal is or what your resolution is or how good your plan is, life gets in the way sometimes. And you have to decide, is this going to be your January 13th moment where you're going to mourn the loss? 
the depth of this resolution, or are you going to pick yourself right back up and go, all right, God, you knocked me down for a minute, but I'm getting right back up and we're going again. Pick me up, Lord, and move me ahead. And that's up to you. Only you control what is in your mind. Only you control the outcome. You need to decide no matter what kind of situation you're in, you decide whether you're going to move forward or whether you're going to be staying where you are, stay stuck, or even slide backwards. Because remember, you don't stay stuck for long. If you're in one place, you're going to either move forward or going to move backwards. And if you're not moving forward, you're sliding back slowly in ways that you probably won't even notice until you're so far back that it takes a lot of effort to pull you up. All right, so you've got a purpose written down, your why. You've got a plan, that's your how and your when you're gonna achieve your goals and your micro goals. You've got a problem, how you're gonna, you've got a problem, you've got a plan for a problem, maybe I should say. You know what to do when the problem arises and how you're going to lift yourself up. And you can't plan for every problem. Sometimes things come out of the blue, but you know that you are going to plan for that problem and that's really important. The next thing, the fourth step is that you have to have protection. And by protection, I mean a group of three to five people. Sometimes we post on Facebook, oh, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. I'm going on a fitness trip. You know, help me out. Everybody encourage me. And you're looking for that encouragement. But what happens when it doesn't work? You feel so stupid and you feel so dejected and you feel disappointed. You have to explain to people or you feel like you have to. You don't owe anybody an explanation, but sometimes we feel like we have to explain to people why things didn't work out the way we thought they would. And that just piles disappointment on top of us. So what we need to do is have a group of three to five people who can hold our feet to the fire, who don't let us off the hook but who also don't burn us up when we do something wrong. We want somebody who's going to be there to comfort us, to provide security, somebody who's safe to talk to, somebody we trust who is not going to be gossipy or explaining to everybody else what's going on in our lives. We want to find a small group of three to five people we trust in different areas of your life. Maybe you have somebody, I have a student that I used to work with who is amazing. He holds me accountable when with my health and fitness. And every once in a while I'll text him and say, oh, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm sluggish. I did, I did, or, or, you know, I didn't do something. I didn't eat right over the holidays. Oh, that's a big one. If he only knew what I did over the holidays, he'd probably not be really happy with me. But I'll text him sometimes and I'll be like, hey, guess what? I did 10 push-ups. You know, I did it on my knees, but I did really well. And he'll be like, well, do 11 on your feet. Don't, don't give me knees. And I'll just, oh man, but I know he's doing it out of concern and out of love. And he's just such a great kid. So for him, there's that I use, I use him and I go to him uh, for those health and nutrition motivators. And when I'm, I'm down, he picks me up and pushes me forward. And I absolutely adore him for that. I also have a friend who is just such a great person to bounce ideas off of relationships and when things are going ups or downs, I can call her and I know she's not going to go talk to anybody else. And I can say, Hey, this is what this person said. How, how do I respond to that? And I can bounce ideas off her safely where I I have just a safe partner. And she kind of pulls me down off the edge sometimes when I want to snap. And she also picks me up when I'm broken and when I'm hurting. So again, having that group of three to five people is super important in your life. Get them to make sure they're grounded, make sure that they're trustworthy. You don't want them to be gossipy. Really consider who your three to five core people are going to be and what the traits are that you're looking for. So that may not be somebody that you hang out with all the time. Maybe it's not somebody that is um, super fun that you have known forever. Maybe this is somebody you've been watching for a while and you say, you know what, I think I need to get to know this person a little better. I'm going to go out of my comfort zone and I'm going to set up an appointment and maybe we'll just go to lunch or maybe we'll just take a walk around the block or something. And let me feel this person out a little bit more. Again, these are resolutions. 
that you're looking for something in a year. You don't have to pick this three to five person right now, but your protection should be in place. So by this time next year, you do have three to five people that you can turn to and say, I need help with, you know, I'm struggling with a spiritual thing, or I want to do this, but I feel like it's leading me to temptation. Or I need to bounce some ideas off somebody for retirement or for spending. Should I really spend this money or should I not? Is there another way that I'm not seeing? And those three to five people are really good for that. The last thing I want to make sure that you know is that you do leave time to party because partying and celebrating your successes is so important. We definitely need to do that. So maybe you decide that you're going to spend some time partying at specific milestones. So for example, again, Dave Ramsey, I might say my first thing is to save $1,000 in an emergency fund. And maybe it takes me two months or three months or however long to save that, but I'm going to be, I'm going to do everything I can to put money aside and I'm going to save that $1,000. And once I get that $1,000, I'm going to have a great time and I'm going to do something really fun and it's not going to be spending it on a credit card. But maybe I was taking $5 a week away and setting that aside for that celebration. And I decided I'm going to take my kids out for pizza or we're going to go to to a show or to a movie or something. And we've been so gazelle intense, as Dave Ramsey says, that we haven't done anything until that $1,000 came up and we've been saving it. Now we can pay cash for it. So I know I'm not going back into debt to celebrate. And then we say, okay, now these are all my debts laid out from smallest to largest. And when I pay off that first debt, now I'm going to go and we're going to do this as a family. Maybe it's, we're going to go take a hike across the river. Then we're going to go and the next credit card, we're going to go do something else. Maybe we'll go to a zoo or um, maybe I'll just sit on the couch and just read a book all day or for an entire weekend. That would be really a nice treat for, for a mom anyway. I know just sitting and relaxing might be really nice. So I'm going to find ways to reward myself. And I do that really well with finances where I hit those milestones and I I celebrate with those milestones. Another way you might want to celebrate is by picking dates on the calendar. So for things like nutrition, I do intermittent fasting. I also do fasting for spiritual reasons. So some days I drink only water on certain days and then receive communion the next day. I do, I try to eat balance of protein, carbohydrates, and a little bit of fat. I try to drink lots of water and tea every day. And I try to work out four days a week, pretty strenuously, one day in the middle of stretching and a mild workout, and then a walk on the weekends or a hike or a, you know something outdoorsy. So I might say, you know what, if I do this, I'm going to have time periods where I know I'm going to be super strict with myself and work it through. And then I have this day of celebration. So right now, on January 4th is when I'm going to start because I did kind of extend my New Year's Eve holiday through the weekend since New Year's Eve was on a Friday. I said Saturday and Sunday, I was going to continue that. But starting Monday, January 4th, I was going to jump full steam into my nutrition, my exercise. I'm going to, again, not full steam, little goals, because now I haven't been working out in probably about 10 days. And I've been eating junk from Christmas Eve through near through January 3rd, actually. So I'm going to work this my way back into this. So I did wake up or I'll wake up and I'll do a light workout. Nothing's too, too terrible, but just something to get my body used to working out again. And I might do that for a week. And then the next week I pick it up and I work out for either longer or harder. Um, And then I keep going and keep going until I get to the point where I'm doing that 30 to 45 minutes, three to or four times a week with that uh, milder stretching on a Wednesday and outdoor activity on Saturday. 
So I'm building it up and I'm also building up my nutrition. So it's not really, I'm not looking for a weight loss goal anymore. It's not like I want to lose 10 pounds. And I'll reward myself when I lose 10 pounds. It's not like I want to run a certain distance in a certain time. Some people may choose to do that and that's great. That's fine. But for me personally, I'm doing it just because this is now a lifestyle that I've chosen. So one thing I will do is I'm going to live this lifestyle from January 4th through February 10th. On February 11th, that's the Feast of Our Lady of Lords. It has special significance for me. That's the day I consecrated myself to Jesus through Mary. So that's a day of celebration. So I don't know what day of the week that is, but January or February 11th is going to be a day where I go off my diet and I get to do what I want. And then hop right back on that wagon again, February 12th. And I keep going, especially once Lent hits, I'm going to be super strict with what I do and really up my game and cause those sacrifices and honor God with some of the difficulties and the struggle. When I hit struggle, I'm going to offer it up for our souls in purgatory or for friends who are suffering or just in Thanksgiving for all that the Lord has given us. And I'm going to push through and persevere prudence, right path, forward thinking. (laughs) And I'm going to keep going until I hit Easter. And then Easter, I celebrate from Easter to Divine Mercy Sunday and even up through Pentecost a little bit. So you want to have purpose, plan, problem solving, protection, and your party. From there, you just remember that all of these things are done in incremental steps. You're going through resolutions. It's a lifestyle change. And the word resolution comes from resolve. Remember, resolve means courage. It means metal. It means fortitude. Resolve is a tough word. That's a strong word. And that's what you want to be as you keep going forward and you're reaching those lifestyle changes. We tend to think that resolution is another one of those words like prudence that we've kind of put on the side and made weaker than it actually is. Like New Year's resolutions, yeah, blah, everybody messes those up. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to resolve and we're going to push through. No matter what this 2021 brings you, know that God is with you. He has a plan for your future and it's a future full of hope. I hope this helped you. If you need anything, if I can help you, if you're interested in joining one of my programs, please send me an email at Kerry at StraylingGrace.com. That's Kerry, K-E-R-R-I at StraylingGrace, S-T-R-A-H-L-E-N-G-R-A-C-E.com. And I hope that you always remember that life is good. God bless.